1: Cherry's back four now reads Francis, Mepham, Simpson, Rico. Long ball over the top immediately and a chance for Oxlade-Chamberlain who has immediately put Liverpool in front. Well, talk about kicking a team while they're down. The Cherries trying to reorganise. Liverpool just booted a long ball over the top and Oxlade-Chamberlain stole in for his first goal of the season. And it just goes from bad to worse. Bournemouth-Nil, Liverpool 1. <laughs>
0: Good morning, happy Monday, maybe not happy, episode 69, this is back of the net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast, yeah, episode 69, teehee, guffaw, haha, we'll get the laughs out of the way, or maybe not, Liverpool fans might be laughing all the way to the top of the Premier League, Man City trailing behind, Leicester are still in contention, but they beat Bournemouth 3-0 at the Vitality on Saturday, And uh, what can you say about that? Well, lots. Jeff Hayward is with me standing by. We'll go over the performance and then we'll also go on to preview Chelsea next week. What on earth will Eddie do? Injuries are plenty. It's not looking pretty, but I do have an idea. Um, also, the founder of the AFCB podcast, Sean Barker, is with me as well. You may have seen his video on YouTube earlier last week, recorded after the Crystal Palace game but we're going to uh, briefly catch up with him as well talking all things Eddie Howe. Is he the man to get us out of the mire? He says he is and even if we were to suffer the R word we should stick by him and do I agree? Well you'll find out a bit later on. So yeah we got all that coming up but first it's time for this. So, of course, we are playing Chelsea at Stamford Bridge on Saturday in what's going to be a a challenging fixture. Uh, But we've had our successes against Chelsea and we've also had matches that haven't been so successful. How many times did I say that? Successful. There we go. That'll make the bloopers real on it'll be all right on the night. Anyway, since we got into the Premier League, what I want from you is the aggregate scoreline between Chelsea and Bournemouth. That's home and away. But if we got all of our Premier League matches between Bournemouth and Chelsea and put the scores together, what is the total score? It's an interesting one. Do Bournemouth come out on top? Or maybe Chelsea just nick it? Not too sure. Either way, stay tuned because at the end of the show, you will hear the answer to that. So... I was at the Vitality on Saturday in the Ted McDougall stand, a little bit different for me, and um, yeah, uh, not the best, was it? I captured some raw audio from the day, um, but we also do get some fans' thoughts as well, some submitted after the final whistle and others from our YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed, please do so. We're aiming to put out a load of content and make it a really useful place. For some accountable opinions for all things AFCB, go to youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast. Right, let's roll the audio. Rambo, good save from Motala shot. Early doors, Liverpool, all the possession. Dominic had his moment then. Good he tackle. Here we go, up the run. Get out. Nathan no, Hackett, exactly. oh. a challenge on Salah for a goal. Oh. Oh. One 0 Oxlade Chamberlain with the goal. And you know what I said about the long ball? Well, it's just happened, honest to God. Oh, it's depressing. It all starts here, doesn't it, now. Here we go. 2-0. Falling apart. Schoolboy defender. Schoolboy. Jack
1: Simpson culpable there. No salad rolls it in. Rub- rubbish. Absolutely rubbish. I genuinely am angry at the levels of performance that I've been seeing in the last two games now. Can't, I can't put my finger on why the players don't seem to be interested in playing football anymore, but Liverpool taught us a lesson today. Yeah. That's how you keep the ball, that's how you pass the ball, that's how you move, that's how you press. Uh, we didn't do anything today, absolutely nothing. Just die.
3: Well, we, we played well first
4: 30 minutes, and then Acker went off. And we scored, I don't know how long after the, he went off, probably like 30 seconds. Yeah. I always knew as soon as the first goal went in, Yeah. it was, well... I, I was surprised at the start. We played, yeah, like I said, we played well, and it was just heart like sad to see us just crumble really
1: Hi oh, Ashley here from the main stand uh, feel like a bit of a loss really what to say about that I know um, you know we're playing the European champions uh, the team that are probably going to win the Premier League and I was hugely impressed with Liverpool I thought they were really uh, really good and obviously they've got much better players that said I just again I just th- thought we were poor um, we seem to lack a bit of fight and um, and I know until Ake went off, we'd, we'd managed to contain them. Um, and actually, you know, although they had a lot of possession, they didn't really threaten us in terms of, of scoring a goal. Having said that, you know, we never really went after them, um, even at 0-0. Um, I felt we were going through the motions defensively. Then as soon as they scored, um, I just thought we were really, really poor. Uh, I'm trying to stay uh, I'm trying to stay positive, Sam. I'm going to put a different spin on it. I'm going to think, well, I didn't expect anything from that game. Anyway, I thought we had a good 30 minutes. Then we lost Ake. And then what else would you expect? If we started the game with that centre-back pairing, we would have expected that as a result. There seems to be a lack of belief in the side, and that's what's worrying me. We've got a difficult run of fixtures coming up. We've got all these injuries. Um, I said last week that I thought, you know, by... You know, after Christmas or during Christmas, we we'd be right in the thick of a relegation fight, and I think we are. I think what's worrying for us all is that there seems it's just this lack of belief, lack of fight, um, and I'm not sure most of these players are up for it. Um, that's it. Thanks a lot. Point.
0: So yeah, there we go. Those were the fans' thoughts uh, from yesterday. We also had a submission earlier in the week from Nathan Nichols, And I just thought it was apt to also include this because these were his opinions after the Crystal Palace match. And it's just um, amazing to hear the sort of regularity of these opinions and nothing's really changing for AFCB, is it? Here's what he had to say
2: hi this is nathan from the east end i've just got home after a cold and miserable night in south london unfortunately bournemouth have come away with no points from a really important game it was there for the taking especially after the 10 uh, the this the red card taking them down to 10 men it's really disappointing um because as soon as that happened they moved creato back into into the center back They've obviously got a lot of injuries with defenders didn't have any defenders to bring on um and really it felt like after that they were just happy to have all their players behind the ball attempted to break occasionally with iu and zaha uh, and also Schlupp in the second half but really we struggled to break down teams that sit back we've we've never been good at breaking down teams that sit back and defend we are a team that play with pace in attack Um, I think we should probably ban that song for a little while uh, because I can't remember the last time we had a successful counter-attack move what happened to last season when we had the, the pace of Brooks, Fraser, King, Wilson all of them bombing forward four or five passes taking it from our penalty area all the way up to their penalty area this year, I cannot think of a single goal that was scored, or even a, a half-decent attack from a, a counter-attack. This year, it, it seems like a real obvious thing that Eddie has said to the boys, that he's quite happy to sit, hold the ball. We just seem to be passing along the back, along the horseshoe, um, backwards and forwards, no one really making any runs. It feels bit like fullbacks have been told not to overlap as well. I've noticed that fullbacks are really holding back. They're not interested in going going round the wingers which is what I mean we've we've done that for years. I mean how many times have we seen the likes of uh, Fraser bombing up the uh, sorry, Francis bombing up the right or Daniel's up the left. This season it really does feel like we're trying something different and it doesn't seem to be working at all. My other real concern is I still don't see how Lerma, Billing and Cook fit together in the middle. I think Gosling was really unlucky not to get a start or to even come off the bench. I think he was probably, he made a real big impact in the last game against Spurs. I think he was one of our best players. But without King, we are really lacking that attacking, uh, attacking him to us. And today, it was just very, very frustrated I'm really worried for us at the moment. Well,
0: it didn't get any better after Palace. Yeah, 3-0 yesterday and Jeff Hayward is with me. Um if you if you'd like to see this chat on YouTube, you can watch it right now by going to youtube.com slash AFCB podcast. And I apologize if you're watching. I'm sporting some ridiculous blue headphones. Um, it's because the lead is slightly longer. Um I look a bit of an idiot, but never mind. Um Jeff, I hope you're doing good. Uh, well, firstly, How was your weekend?
4: Well, um, uh, not great. Um, I was excited a few weeks ago to actually get tickets for the game yesterday. Um, And then after Tuesday night, I felt alarmed Mm. because we did not play well against Crystal Palace. That was a golden opportunity to get back on track. We didn't take it and three days later we're playing Liverpool who were flying after a 5-2 victory in the Merseyside derby. Mm. Um, So it felt a very difficult fixture for us to get anything from
0: um, and so it proved. Yeah, not helped by our team news, where we're obviously lacking a number of key players at the moment. And during the match, of course, it it didn't get any better for us. But let's just uh, quickly talk about that match in the in the midweek between Liverpool and Everton. And uh, they looked on fire, didn't they?
4: They looked on fire. They are, I mean, they're a fantastic side. They're on the run of their lives, Um They've had a few um, iffy performances, particularly away from home this season. And I've copped them a flak for talking about that on the Liverpool podcast (laughs) earlier this week, (laughs) funnily enough. Um, But, you know, they did struggle against Sheffield United. They struggled against Manchester United. And we needed them to have a similar kind of off day against us. But I think what's been decisive for them recently is that victory over Manchester City where... They they won 3-0 and then, you know, obviously winning in midweek 5-2, the players are on fire and he could even rest players in midweek um, to bring them back for the game on Saturday, which I think showed, wow, you know, it was going to be a, an uphill task for us. Um, and particularly off the back of our performance. I mean, let's not talk too much about them. We knew they were going to be tough, but if we go back to Crystal Palace, um, for the first twenty minutes of that game, we were in that match and we were playing quite well. Callum looked back to his old self. I think he played. Uh, he plays well against Sako. You know, I think he feels he's got the beating of Sako, and you could see he was he was um, running the channels really well. He was pressing him really well, and and you felt that okay. You know, Palace had a, a bit of the ball, but we were we were looking quite threatening on the counter for those first 20 minutes. Uh, The challenge from Sacco that um, nearly put Smith in hospital, thankfully it didn't, Mm -hmm. but it got Sacco sent off. Actually, it it worked in their favour and worked against us because they set up in a very compact way um, and... We did not have the wit or the wherewithal to actually break them down. And that was really worrying. And I think from one to 11, including the the manager and the assistant manager, uh, we didn't step up to that realise what a golden opportunity it was. I think we felt, oh, we're playing against 10 men. It'll come, it'll come, it'll come. And it never did. And we didn't show any urgency. We showed far too much uh, patience, let's say.
0: Yeah, agreed. And obviously, that challenge on Smith put him out. Uh, therefore, we were all scratching our heads thinking, what's the team selection going to be like against Liverpool? And uh, yeah, I mean, Frano was included. Uh, were you surprised by that? Because I thought Jack Stacey uh, didn't didn't do himself any harm at Spurs. Yes, I think defensively naive, but certainly showed a lot of potential when attacking. But maybe it was Eddie Howe looking for some leadership and experience in the defence there.
4: And that was one of the things desperately missing on Tuesday was the leadership. Um, I, I would be more. I was more concerned about Frano coming on, at, on play, in place at, right back and swapping yeah. Smith for Rico on Tuesday night than actually him starting yesterday. It sort of made more sense yesterday, yeah. but but you know to to go and try and win the game, the problems that we have in terms of creativity, are. I think obviously centred around that Lerma billing axis, yeah, and how that is working with the wingers Fraser and Dan Juma. I think the back four um, we're we're in a difficult place, obviously after yesterday's game, and you could see we were exposed as soon as Ake went off yesterday. But before the team took the pitch yesterday, I thought well. You know, Frano he's not playing up against Sadio Mane. Um his experience will be important. And actually, you know, I've been I've been one of those giving him a lot of flack the last few games. I thought he was one of the better players yesterday. Um he he did um he did a good shift, he got forward a little bit, yeah. he connected quite well with Dan Juma. Um but yeah, when well, let's just talk about the positives, right? Yeah, the first, yeah. the first thirty minutes yesterday, um, there was a bit more discipline, a bit more intensity, and we did have uh, two or three threatening counterattacks. Uh, Solanke has a shot that gets deflected wide. Yeah. Uh, Fraser looked to be a bit more um, aggressive going forward, and yeah. a bit more uh, had a bit more zip about him, and set up a chance that Danjuma you know, squandered. And then I think there were a couple of key moments. There was one where Solanke was played through. I think it was a nice, neat yes. ball from Fraser, um, and rather oh. than take the shot from outside the box, he tries to nip it inside. Um, the the centre-half loses the ball, yeah. chance goes. And there was another chance where Callum has to play a simple through ball and fails to put enough weight on the pass. Sort of sums up Callum, really, at the moment. Mm. And I think if you look at those incidents, you could see what we were trying to do. Be defensively solid, compact, get men behind the ball, let Lovren have the ball and play the long pass because he's not going to hurt us. Um, and put pressure on them. When the, as soon as the ball comes in the middle, I thought Lerma was playing amazingly well in oh. that first thirty minutes. You know, um, can I use the word s house because he yes, was king of, of the, that sort of shit housing behaviour, yeah. where getting the fouls, slowing the game down, n- nipping in to break up their attacks. It was it was not comfortable for them, and. I thought we looked relatively good and then at 35 minutes, um, yeah, it changed.
0: Yeah, the sucker punch, wasn't it? Uh, Liverpool, I think we dealt fairly well with most of their threats up until that moment and it was, um, I think, Mo Salah going through and Ake, uh, brilliant defending, uh, managed to get across but as soon as he got up, you saw him in agony, looks like his hamstring, no idea how long he's going to be out, early indications say six weeks. Um, I mean that in itself was a blow. But almost immediately after we get caught out by the thing that I said to um in an article on the Liverpool FC website when speaking to the Red Men TV on our YouTube channel and also on their YouTube channel, um, the long ball. They demonstrated that in the week against Everton. One of them was nicely controlled and converted by Rigi, another one, Sadio Mane, um, couldn't convert. But the danger was there, we saw the danger against Spurs and look what happens long ball from Hendo uh, Mepum, uh very naive good control by the ox or, or did he even control it or was it just a first time touch i'm not i'm not sure but ended up 1-0 and from that point as uh, joe said in one of the post match interviews on youtube at that point it was it was almost like there was no way back it was game
4: over and um there were several things about that goal one how many times have we been talking about the long ball this season? Catching us out? Yeah. Whether it's Mepham or, you know, not just Mepham, but Steve against Kurtz, uh, Oliver, Spurs. Yeah. yeah, we were we were terrible against that at last time. What was more worrying, I thought, was, um, number one, it was Hendo. No pressure on the ball and we know he can pass. OK, mm-hmm. it's fine if it's Lovren, but Henderson has a good long pass on him. Don't let him play that pass with so much Time. Two, uh, Mepham should be more decisive. He, I think, thinks that uh, Rambo's going to come for that because look where that yeah, ball yeah. goes Agreed. right into the penalty area. Rambo could have come and collected that or at least punched it. Didn't. Because Mepham isn't sure whether he- Rambo's coming or not, he takes his eye off the ball, loses that half yard, and lets Oxley Chamberlain in. Um, it was a catalogue of poor communication. Summed up, I think, by the fact that is no longer there and not being that sort of decisive leader. There's a bit more of unsettled play. And going back to what had happened when Ake goes off, that's when you bring Stacey on and move Frano to the middle.
0: Yeah, that's what really surprised me. Uh, really surprised to see Jack Simpson come on. Um, but yeah, that that made perfect sense to me to put Stacey on the right-hand side and, st- and then have that experience in the middle. Chris Meppham, of course uh alongside jack simpson and that core just felt so weak why would you not bring someone more experienced in there and put stacy on the right hand side uh, it seemed like a bizarre decision to me and for the next sort of 10 minutes we were exploited and lo and behold before uh half time they got a second and that was through that core of defense as well and you know, Lerma had had a great game And what we needed was a team of Jefferson Lerma's yesterday However, there were three players that got drawn into Mo Salah And then the run from Cato was just not tracked whatsoever Great little back heel And he converted really well But it just that was through the core of the defence And uh, it was scary times And at that point I was thinking How many are they going to get in the second half?
4: Well, there was, there was a, another change that Liverpool made Where they took Lovren off And they bought... Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold on and Gomez is not the right back that Trent Alexander-Arnold is and you can see as soon as Alexander-Arnold comes on that pushes Fraser back and suddenly that right side he's getting down there making a number of crosses there was one soon after the second goal which they should have converted and didn't and honestly it 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 was the the perfect storm when Gomez is playing right back we had a chance as soon as Alexander Arnold comes on, our attacking threat is completely gone. We're just too worried about um, stopping him down that flank, and Fraser, who'd been doing okay up until that point, is just can't get forward. Mm. Um, so there were a number of things. I think Eddie's not had a great deal of um, a great deal of luck. I think with substitutions this year, mm. there seems to me to be a pattern developing, which is. When he picks players to come off the bench at around 60 minutes, suddenly they look like they should have been on from the start. The next week, those players start and they look like they should be on the bench. And the mm-hmm. players that come off the bench to replace them, whether it be Fraser, Harry Harry Wilson, Dan Juma, you know, mm-hmm. they, they all seem to be... We've got a great team of subs in the attacking attacking side <laughs> of the game. Defensively, none of it is working every time we every time he makes a decision defensively to either bolster the team it concedes a goal or to uh change the shape for whatever reason it doesn't just doesn't work so it it's it's uh, yeah and and again yesterday um we're 2-0 down at half time we're playing two defensive midfield players you've got to get lewis cook on at half time yeah. don't mess about you know we've got nothing going forward otherwise and it just it's it, it's doing my head in that we're set up to play a game like yesterday on the counter to play almost like to win a 1-0 or to get a 0-0 um, and then as soon as we concede there is a plan b that is is takes just way too long to get
0: implemented yeah um to reuse a phrase uh, that I put on Twitter a while ago we uh, philip Billing especially seemed to have the ball retention of a veterinary neuterer uh he gave the ball away so so much he was losing balls left right and center he's he he's looking more and more sort of pedestrian every time I see him uh there were a few good things he did yesterday, but I especially thought, as you said, that Lewis Cook should have been replacing him, or maybe even Dan Gosling to come on. Just needed something else there in the middle. Uh, Liverpool ran us ragged in the end, and I think the possession stats, it was something like 74% to Liverpool, 26 uh, to Bournemouth, but they, you know they dominated as we thought, and the third goal was coming, and again, it was through... One of our defenders making a mistake. That was a ball out from Jack Simpson that got intercepted. And then, you know, Keita managed to put through Mo Salah. Um, again, his pace is astounding. Uh, and managed to just uh, tuck it past Ramsdale. It, it was a great finish. But when you look at that back four at the start of the season not one of those players would have been picked as like okay this is our this is our main back four. Now Rico is is probably justified now at left back but none of the others would usually be starting. Um and then you're looking in the middle of the pitch as well thinking yeah, we are we are really struggling. We're really struggling. What what I thought
4: yesterday as well. I thought Rico had kind of one of his um less good games. I think he's he he's okay when we're doing quite well but um he he just seems a bit... He was a bit off the pace yesterday. And I think maybe he's played a lot of games and maybe he needs a bit of a break. And it made me think, geez, Lloyd Kelly, where are you? Yeah. You know, we were all excited about him at the start of the season. We haven't seen him once yet. And he's another one where you, you, you think if we had a first choice back four out, it would be Lloyd Kelly, Nathan Ake, Steve Cook and Adam Smith. Yeah. Yeah. And and we're missing all four of them for the next four to six weeks. So um, yeah, Liverpool turned it into a training game, mm. and it was uh, dull beyond belief to to be there and experience it. We could have left with twenty minutes to go and not missed anything, couldn't we? Yeah. Um, so what was uh, what what was interesting? Um, I think was we've been talking a lot about playing five in midfield when Callum goes off injured, similar injury, potentially a hamstring injury. Uh, we had the chance to see Solanke up front and a midfield of five. The problem was that was the wrong time of the game. You need to start with that system to try and frustrate Liverpool. And at 2-0, uh, they just had they just passed the ball along their back four all the time with no, no pressure, no threat. Um, we actually did press them a little bit in the start of the, the second half, which was, was quite pleasing. We did get a goal, albeit yeah. it was offside. Um, we... Um, we were trying there was effort there and in a bizarre way it felt that that was a more genuine authentic performance Mm. than Tuesday night had been Um, but let's draw a line I think and and move on really
0: yeah there was a there was a lot of sort of game management by Liverpool and they and they didn't go all out at 3-0 and sort of credit to Klopp with the fixtures that they've got you know coming up it it was like a training drill, as you say, a game of keep ball. And they weren't particularly intense with their attacking, but we couldn't get out of our own half. It was great to see us have little flashes. Um, like you say, when Rico squared that ball to Dan Jumo, put it in the back of the net, that was good. But then you could tell that Liverpool were seeing the game out, bringing on Curtis Jones, um, Shakiri came on late on. And 3-0 was a scoreline that, would you say, based on how it went, perhaps flattered us a little bit?
4: Yeah. After Tuesday I actually revised my overly optimistic yeah. prediction to be a, a, a much more um overly optimistic if we lose 3-1 and put in a decent shift I'll be happy. Yeah. Um and we lost 3-0. They could have won 5 or 6. Yeah. Um perhaps should have done and we had three shots on goal in the entire game against their 21. Um, bit like Manchester City last year at home, really, in many ways. Um, mm. And equally as bleak a feeling afterwards, I'd say. I think
0: many of us were thinking, okay, we could be rivaling Southampton at this rate in terms of how many goals that we could be shipping. So you look at it and you think 3-0, actually not too bad. But there was still, despite the fact that we did well in a third of the game and showed a few flashes throughout the rest of it, uh, Liverpool were always going to be dominant. They came out 3-0 winners. But there was this horrible feeling. And I think it's possibly not down to the result, it's more to do with the personnel that we've lost, and Nathan Ake is going to be huge, isn't it?
4: Massive. That's that's the one that we are all super concerned about. If it is six weeks, I mean, um, yeah, we've got we've got some massive games coming up. This is the time for those players to step up and play like they can play. Sorry, Jack Simpson, you're not the man. It's got yeah. to be Frano in the middle of the park with Metham. Metham, raise your game, mate. You're an international. Start playing like one. Mm. We've got to have Stacey on the right and Rico. Uh, that That is going to be the back four for the ne- arguably the next four games. Here's, here's a Christmas. question.
0: Here's a question for you that someone's posed on Twitter because earlier I put out a tweet out asking just for some conversations. I'm going to ask you a number of questions later and we can have a quick discussion for five minutes or so based on some of the tweets. But someone suggested maybe Philip Billing could do a job at centre-back. I I don't know whether there's any experience there, but he's got height, he's got strength, he's got power, he's got a little bit of pace when, well, (laughs) sometimes it doesn't look like he's got pace because he strolls around the pitch uh, a fair amount, but he has got it. Um, Could he potentially be an option?
4: That has occurred to me too as a potential option. If Eddie's determined to have him in the team, could be centre half. But you, then, you, then that's him with Metham, the experience. I mean, yeah, it, it, uh, Eddie. Eddie's got to dig deep. This is this is a difficult difficult time. I'm not sure that he's been quite as tested as a manager, mm. um, and without the players that we've got it almost forces his hand to do something bolder Um, what is he going to do in the middle of the field what is he going to do up front um josh king may be back might he for Mm. saturday i would Um, i
0: really hope he is and everyone's obviously wanting David Brooks to come back as soon as possible as well. Someone even mentioned on Twitter with regards to the, the uh, question that we put out, Jake Scribshaw, who's been, you know, banging him in for the youth, but I, I don't quite think it's time for him. I saw him actually in the Ted McDougall stand uh, having a cup of tea and I uh, was going to go over and have a sort of quick chat, but I didn't manage to catch up with him, but I think maybe um, a little bit too inexperienced. I mean, you, when you look at Jack Simpson, he's got Premier League experience, uh, yet it, you know, It is a different level and he struggles to cope quite often. So I think Scrimshaw is not potentially the answer, especially when there's the option of recalling someone like Sam Surridge, who has got some decent league experience.
4: Sam Surridge would be the one I'd get back at this moment. Um, Yeah, but King and Solanke ought to be be able to get some goals. Uh, King, we know, can score we we're actually missing king mm. on that left-hand side playing that dynamic you know yeah. getting the ball attacking role that he he did in the uh, sort of before that manchester united game um i mean we've we've, we've 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 still got so many issues with those uh, wingers as well. Yeah, It's it's not not simple. It's not at all easy.
0: What I really want to see is um, us play with an extra man in the middle. I want to see us go 4-5-1, play the three in the middle. And I'd love Josh King to be on one side. Dan Zium and Fraser, one of them, on the other side. Not sure which. I mean, Josh King for Blackburn played a lot on the right-hand side. So you could have Fraser on the left. And I thought Fraser... um, was all right yesterday, uh, a little bit better and showed a little bit more intent. Uh, created um, a couple of chances, as you say, for Dan Juma, and I'd I'd quite like to see Solanke up front on his own. He showed yesterday that there is something in him, but he just. It's that final ball, the final pass, his inability to get shot away in time. He's got pace. The way he uh, went onto a through ball from Fraser, managed to turn Lovren inside out and get that deflected shot on goal, was quite good. The only... problem with him is just the way he thinks sometimes. For instance, there was a moment in the first half where um, we managed to win the ball back and Fraser played the ball to Rico and we know the ball that Rico is going to play, especially when he's under pressure from Mo Salah. It's that high ball curled down the channel and at the point where Fraser played it back to Rico, Solanke should have been starting to make that run. But he didn't. He only did it as soon as Rico kicked it, and lo and behold, it was either Lovren or Van Dyke that won the ball back and cut it out. So it's just kind of, he just needs to be a little bit more switched on. And he's seen us enough t- to know the way we play. But I'm not one of these naysayers about him because I do think there is potential. And I would like to see him have the responsibility of being the lone striker and just seeing what he can do because we've all wanted Callum Wilson to maybe have a break for a while. Um, Perhaps not in these circumstances, but now it's time for him to step up, and maybe we'll see the player that you know we we paid x amount of money for what was it twenty million
4: yeah uh, what is gonna be the team he plays against Chelsea? um maybe we'll come on to that in a minute mm. but but i I actually feel we do have a number of options, critically, you've got to have somebody sticking the ball in the back of the net. Josh King has mm. to play centre-forward. I'm sorry, Solanke's had a, a run of games. He looks short on confidence. Even if the ball's presented to him two yards out with only the keeper to beat, I wouldn't put money on him shooting. I'd mm. put money on him trying to pass and find someone else. <laughs> you know, That's that's the sort of mindset he's in at the moment. Yeah. And I think I think if you're going to play with someone who's going to get you a goal, it's got to be Josh up front through mm. the middle. Um, then I think it becomes a bigger discussion about who are the right people to play behind, supporting. Um, I thought Gosling looked pretty good when he came on yesterday, injected a bit of instant, mm. you know, first time passing, which He's got to good. start for
0: me, he's got to start
4: a start. Got a start. I think uh, if you play a central um, midfield of uh Lerma and Gosling, I mean that that's the that was the midfield for much of last season, wasn't mm. it? When when we um, when we had some in and out results, some good, some terrible. Um, then, yeah, I think you've got to play. I think you've still got to start with Fraser. I yeah. mean, it did. He did play a bit better yesterday. Um, Fraser, Dan Juma on the other side again. He did a couple of nice touches. Um, needs perhaps a bit more of a run. Not necessarily sure he's happy on that right hand side. But maybe swap swap him through the game with Fraser so that they're they're doing little little different times on the opposite flanks. That might be helpful. And then here's my big thing. I've been going on about it for weeks. Play Harry Wilson in behind of course, the striker, because yeah. that will give us that extra creativity. Then you you can either interchange Lewis Cook with Dan Gosling. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't mind about either of those two starting actually, um, but. But I think you've got to play Harry more as a spare man in, between, in behind the striker.
0: So here's what I would do then. I've just I've just been having a think whilst you've been saying that. This is what I would do. And this is, uh, i I probably come across like a mad scientist when I'm going through this this team. But I would I'd be quite happy to play three central defenders. Because I think we sort of need it just for more, uh, just for a little bit more solidity. I'd put Billing in there, Frano and probably Mepham. On the left I'll play Rico, on the right Ryan Fraser as a wing-back yeah. style and then three yeah. in the middle, I'd love to have three central midfielders uh, in terms of uh, Dan Gosling, Jefferson Lerma and Lewis Cook and then Harry Wilson just behind uh, Josh King up front if he's fit, if not Solanke maybe. I would just, I would just love to see something different and it, it's clear that the formation that we've got at the moment isn't isn't quite working. Um there's a bit a question on Twitter, Jeff. That I'm going to just put uh, put to you. Um, I know that uh, Eddie Howe said probably not going to be making any signings in January, but you're looking at it now, thinking surely we've got to.
4: Wow is is that what he said? Because um, we need cover at centre half. Mm. I think how many good centre halves are out there looking for a um, looking for looking for a job? Mm. Not sure. Um, but I would say centre half looks a problem. Mm. Um, depending on when people are coming back, I think it'd be great to get somebody right back as a a, a, a player, um, and then another. Can we get another striker? I mean, geez, you know it. Yeah. You know it, it, it. It's compounded by the fact that so many of the players who were bankers for if you put put a shirt on Fraser, put a shirt on Callum they'll play their heart out and you know you're going to get 100% performance and you know what, they'll create something. Yeah. Because we can't guarantee that this season, it's making the whole team selection and um, speculation about what we do in January much more difficult.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting reading a number of comments because obviously there is a lot more scrutiny on many things behind the scenes, including our coaching department, uh, also our fitness regimes. And you just look at the amount of injuries we've had since being in the Premier League. You've seen interviews on AFCB TV where players have said how intense the training is at AFC Bournemouth. And then you think, well, is it taking its toll? Because we seem to get absolutely bombarded with injuries season after season, and you know, lo and behold, it's our two. Well, I'd say best players, Callum Wilson, uh, not so much this season, but of course Nathan Ake is one of them. Um, do you think? Do you think there's an issue behind the scenes with the way that we're maybe, you know, perhaps overtraining the players?
4: Possibly. Um... I think whenever something like the, the run of uh, injuries that we've had, and they've all been, well, the the recent ones, the two yesterday, you know, hamstrings can go at any time. That's down to the warm-up. It's down to um, general fitness. Um, but, but it's one of those, to get one in a game is unlucky. To get two is uh, uh, quite unbelievable, really. Bad luck, training regime. Who who can say? It? I'm sure it's something that the uh, the team at the club are looking at and thinking. Well, maybe we need to do things differently. One one stat that I think has been quite interesting uh, in recent seasons, we were often quoted as the team that ran the most, that put the most yeah. yards and kilometres even into into matches. I'd be really interested to see those stats now this season because I think we're coming way short of what we used to do um so what's the reason behind that because that energy was a massive strength for us in the previous four seasons um but seems to be strangely missing again yesterday Mm. we're we're taking way too many touches we're slow we're 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 a bit um a bit dull Mm. frankly Yeah.
0: yeah no we are uh it's 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 not good being an AC Bournemouth fan at the moment because there there is a lot of negativity, but I think there is a danger of over-analyzing it a little bit because there have been some sort of positive, you know, some positive moments. Matt Newcomb on Twitter asked the question: Did the switch to a counter-attacking style for the last two seasons have a, dentri- a detrimental impact on our overall identity? Therefore, when we lose, we play poorly versus losing but in a positive way. Um, that's you know that's another sort of consideration. And it was Minty on Twitter who suggested that. Um, maybe our coaching department needs freshening up. Um, stale and predictable were the words he used. He said, surely as a Premier League club, Bournemouth can attract excellent coaches across the globe who are desperate at applying their trade in the Premier League. Um, it could be argued that he's right, based on the fact that you know many of the coaches that we've got do not have Premier League experience.
4: Yeah, he's got a fair point. I think in terms of the, the playing styles... Um, here's how I see it the counter attacking side of our game seemed to me to be much more how we played away from home last season and if you remember the the four nil victory against Watford where we absolutely nailed that that way of playing uh last season um and when we played against the the bigger clubs, we played with a we tended to play with a back five mm. and try and again to 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 hit them on the break, but that was always it was always about possession football. You know, if we win the ball in our defensive third, yeah, we play it out quickly. But it was crisp, clear, accurate passing that got us up the field really quickly. Like yesterday, you know, when we got the ball, it was more hit and hope. It was the ball down the channel, and that was that's that's not the way that we played that counter attacking last season. It 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 just feels a bit more imprecise this year. I think it's also slightly confusing um, how we played when we were at home last season. Again, there were games that I remember. You probably remember that first half against uh, Watford last yeah. season, and you know where we 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 fly out of the blocks at teams. And it, again, forgive us for being repetitive. We talked about this a lot, but we dominated the ball in that first twenty minutes, caught teams cold. They didn't know what was what was uh, going on, and it was again down to. Crisp, accurate passing, fast play, getting the wingers forward and that that real sort of put the energy in in the first 20, 30 minutes against teams where we felt we were going to get a result and that would be, I'd put in that block, West Ham, Crystal Palace, Watford, Wolves last season where we felt if we go for them, we'll get a result here and what is going to be really interesting, again, we're going to talk about the games coming up but two mm. matches after... Uh, yesterday, we've got uh, Burnley at home, right? They're on a bad run. That is going to be a Huge. critical game. Critical game. Um, yeah. It, it, the, to recover where where we are, who we are, our identity, and with all the players that we've had coming in, trying to get them to buy into that, has not been an easy task. I think perhaps we've overestimated how how simple it would be. Um, because they're just not getting it. We've got the wrong players um, for the system that Eddie wants to play, and he's got to figure it out damn
0: damn quickly. Yeah, and I mean, I am still back. I am still backing Eddie to be that man to do it. Uh, there have been a number of dissenting voices as well. If you if you decide to go onto any of the Facebook groups, um, I would advise uh, getting off them as quick as possible, given that some of the uh, knee jerk reactions that you've got. But. Uh, I, I, I say knee-jerk, There, you know, there is there is some sort of qualification behind their opinion uh, at times. But most of the time, it is just a uh, very bad-tempered opinion. Uh, and I think that Eddie will turn it around and can turn it around. But it doesn't look pretty, the league table at the moment. Now, at the time of recording, Jeff, uh, we're not in a great position. But there are matches uh, this afternoon that could put us down even further. Are you... Worried at all about the R word or not just yet?
4: I think you've got to be concerned. As a Bournemouth fan, let's be honest, you know, getting getting 40 points is the first priority for the season and then we can look forward and enjoy ourselves. And I think anybody who supports us knows that that's where we need to be um, to relax. Mm. Um, we are we're in a tough place and... Um, there are games that are going on that could um, make us feel even worse. But when was it? Two seasons ago, we started yeah. off and we were clearly bottom of the league after 10 games and the doom-mongers were out. We turned it around. Yeah, true. We had a disastrous run last season, roundabout from November till February. We couldn't win a game away from home. In fact, we lost everything everything away from home. So we we've been there he's been there in difficult places ultimately this squad is stronger than any squad we've ever had so it's not a shortage of talent it's a it's a problem with getting the best out of that talent that's the easier problem to solve i'd say than than thinking about oh we need to buy superstars in the january window i, I would argue that perhaps one or two players might be might be worth investing in just because of the injury problems that we've got. Um, we 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 have enough quality in the squad to be able to stay up. The question is whether we can get the best out of those players, get the best out of them in the games that we've got coming up. Because you know I'm worried. I understand, and people are angry because we've had five games, four of them we could have got points out of.
0: Hi, this is the biggin, Steve Fletcher, and you're listening to Back of the Net. So later on in the show, uh, we will catch up with uh, Jeff again to preview the Chelsea game at the weekend. Um, Earlier in the week, we also chatted to the founder of Back of the Net, Mr. Sean Barker. Um, If you're new to the podcast, well, I'll tell you what. I'll let Sean introduce himself. And then we went on to talk about Eddie Howe. And is he the man to get us out of our current woes?
3: Um, So my quick back history. um, Cherry since um, 1991, around then, when I was a wee lad. And um, started going in the awful Pulis years. Um, saw, Saw Big Fletch arrive. Always loved him. Will always guarantee I was the first person on the south stand to have Fletcher on the back of my shirt before it was cool Um, and then followed them through until um, well and went to every you know went to every home game and many away games many with Sam over the years and then in 08 uh, at the start of 08 I moved uh, down to um, New Zealand and have ever since been following from afar albeit I've been back three or four times and Last year was back for six months and managed to squeeze in 16 Bournemouth games home and away. Um, I coincided with the awful away run where uh, (laughs) I don't think, I don't think I saw a victory in all the away games I went to. I'm not in the doom and gloom. It's the worst we've ever been. Eddie must go camp at all. Um, At all. And I, need to state that um i would controversially i would still rather go down and retain eddie than we kick off kick eddie out and i think my just to talk about that situation with the manager and there's talk of you know oh he's got to go and he's run his course and all that kind of stuff i think my biggest fear is that for us for us fans who have been there a long long time i think the day that eddie howe leaves I think the club that we fell in love with, not mm-hmm. to be overly dramatic, but I think that, that dies and that goes with him. And I think we just become, I'm, I'm worried. We just become just another club, you know, mm-hmm. and, and in the past we had managers come and go, but there was always that connection with the club and we were always such an integral part of it. And we're not now because they're multi-million, you know, dollar players and the, and the way the business is set up and, you know, as Stu, Stu Bramley pointed out online, you know, the kind of interaction with fans groups and stuff doesn't happen, but mm. we've still had Eddie. And we've still had that connection, and there's Eddie, and there's JT, and there's Mossy, and there's Fletch, and there's all these people that that were there when we were there, and I just, if he was to go, I just think that would be, um, it would be the end of what we know, and we would then get another manager and another man. you know what I mean? And that's, mm. that's my biggest fear, which is overrides... I think every other thought around what's going on at the moment. Um, that's my biggest fear is that this noise gets louder and louder from a, what I hope is just a minority of fans
0: yeah.
3: and I don't want it to go any bigger.
0: Yeah. So there you go. That was uh, Mr. Sean Barker. If you want to hear an extended chat on that, go to youtube.com slash AFCB podcast and you can watch the whole video and see his beautiful visage as well. Right then. Saturday. Easy game, right? Oh, I wish. Blue is the colour. Football is the game. Jeff, uh, Saturday was not a good day to be a Bournemouth fan, but it's a game against a big team that we've had a fair bit of success. Uh, with uh, both home and away. So how are you feeling ahead of Saturday's clash at Chelsea?
4: Brutally honest, I think uh, we'll do really well to get a point. But mm, who knows? Uh, Football's a funny game. (laughs) Yeah, it is.
0: It is is a funny game. Um, What are Chelsea's strengths? Because did you see them against Everton? Uh, They lost... 3-1, 3-1 was it? Um they didn't look like the team that has been doing so well, but do you think for Everton's on Everton's part it was possibly the new manager bounce that made them perform so well?
4: There was that, but um let's let's look at how they won that game. There were several things that were pretty clear. Number 1, they roughed them up. Mm. They were in their faces. They were niggling at them all through the game. They didn't let them settle. They didn't let them play that passing game. Um, And against a a young side, which Chelsea are, that definitely worked. So, number one, you've got to be physical with them if you're going to get anywhere. Number two, crosses, right? I was talking to a Chelsea fan earlier this week who said to me they treat every corner like a penalty Mm -hmm. at Chelsea. That's how bad they think they are at Mm -hmm. defending crosses. What are we good at? We're good at set pieces, Mm. okay? So... There's a reason for optimism. And number three, they had a poor day finishing yesterday. They're a young side. They can be brilliant and they've turned over a number of sides this season, four, or five, and you know, deservedly so. They've scored some spectacular goals. Tammy Abraham is a huge talent. Pulisic is a huge talent. Mason Mount is a fantastic player. But they, they're also up and down you know. Mm. they're a young side like we are and sometimes yeah. it won't click for them so we could catch them on an off day I've got to say that West Ham caught them on an off day a couple of weeks ago and um, boy I wish that had been us playing mm. them um, they're mm. obviously under pressure to get through the Champions League so um, there's that game at Lille they've got What was, what's that taken out of them You know, that was Mm. a huge, huge pressure match for them. Mm. Will they be able to repeat a performance again two days later? I don't know.
0: Yeah it's uh it's a very interesting one and I'd, I I'd love to see how we line up but um unfortunately, unfortunately there's no real expectations for us cherries but I think what we have got in our locker is the fact that we we know we've done it before and we haven't got that mental block that we sometimes have when we play uh the teams like man city for example um can I can I get an early Prediction from you at this stage? I don't know why we do these, Jack. There's no point, I, I is there? But go on. Well, I keep getting them
4: half right. I mean, I got. I anyway, whatever. Uh, it's always the half that I don't want to get right. Um, I think if we again, if we come out of that game with a three-one defeat and a performance, I'll be relatively happy. I actually feel it's not about the game against Chelsea. It's about the three games that come after, and I'll just briefly mention those. Burnley mm. home, that is a must-win game. Yeah, big time. Arsenal Boxing Day must-win game. Brighton two days later, you know that that to me is somewhere you got to get a point. I think if we can get seven points out of the next four games, we'll we'll be feeling a lot better. And that is the target. One one other thing that I want to uh, say, Sam, is that. Uh, um, We've talked a lot about team selections uh, recently and a, a lot of people have got opinions about who, who should be in and who should be out. Let's mm. face it, the the choice of players that you can pick is getting more and more limited. So in a way that that kind of focuses the mind on it's going to be roughly that 11. We mm. know who those, those core players for the next few weeks are going to be. Now is the time to build that siege mentality And say, right, we've got to get results. Let's dig in. We've been there before. We know we can do it. Let's get some results.
0: Yeah, Robert Murphy on Twitter poses an interesting question. Are we expecting too much as a fan base? He says, have we forgotten where we've come from, given that we're seeing plenty on social media saying it's time for management change your tactics are stale? What are your your thoughts? Do we expect too much? Um
4: replay back to the start of this season where we invested a lot of money in new players and we were all very excited about those players coming in and I I think we we as Bournemouth fans should be a bit more grown up about it that mm, yeah. we deserve to be here. We've played some really good quality football over the last four seasons. We're an established Premier League side. That's how other teams look at us. And mm. even even talking to people who don't know anything about the situation we're in, everybody thinks, oh, we'll be fine. You know, we'll be mm. finished mid-table. I heard loads of that yesterday even. But, uh, but but, whether the people in the town, the fans actually believe that is another matter. And I think we, we all come with that kind of complex of minus 17 and, and knowing all the tough times that we've had. But uh, now is the time to actually believe that, yeah, you know, we we flipping deserve to be in the Premier League because we're a good football team and we should play like it. Let's not play like any of these uh, teams that have had relegation nailed on from this time yeah. of year. You know, Huddersfield were dead certs to go down last season from about this time. Villa a couple of seasons before that. Swansea were desperately you know they were going down from way before they mm-hmm. went down and 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 I don't think we're that sort of side no. we we're a fight, we're a fighting team anything is possible and that means that you've got to pull yourself together and get stuck in um so yeah Sorry, it sounds a bit Sam Allardyce. Didn't mean to
0: be, but you know, that's what we got to do. <laughs> Who knows, Jeff? Uh, once again, it's been a pleasure, and fingers crossed we can get something at Chelsea. Fingers crossed, eh? Fingers crossed. So there we go. That's another Back of the Net, episode 69. It's our 70th birthday for the next game, so yeah, uh, show number 70. We've actually done more than 70 shows because we did a few Euro ones, and one of them I think we called not the first episode, and also we we chucked in an episode 5.5, not... Not really sure what that was all about. That was Sean's idea. Uh, But yeah, we've done a load of shows and I hope you're enjoying the content that we're trying to put out. It's Jeff who's coming on and uh, really appreciate the help of Paul Kenwood and Tony as well. After every game, they've been very consistent in providing their opinions on the YouTube channel. And then we have some people every so often that come along like Neil Dawson and Tom Jordan who uh, do videos or whatever and just really appreciate all the contributions trying to make it a collaborative effort. Um, We're really Really after more YouTube opinion, to be honest, we're always outside the 1910, um, we try to attract a wide range of fans. I'm not really confident enough to do that whole roving reporter thing, uh, not least because when you approach Bournemouth fans, a lot of them don't really have anything to say. Um, so if you do want to get yourself involved, I'd really appreciate it. It's blimmin' hard work doing this, and we're keeping it free. We may um, try to get a sponsor on board for next year, and I don't really want to go the route of what we uh, did originally by harping on about it all the time, but obviously what we do at the moment um, takes a lot of time, and... Uh, time is money because uh, you know I've got a job to do, of course, and earn, earn some money. And as much as I want to put out content, um, obviously, unsupported, it's, it's it's very sort of difficult to justify. But I try my best to get the views of AFC Bournemouth fans represented, whether it's on the podcast or on YouTube. So for that reason, I do appreciate the little gestures that people make when they do the retweets or leave a review for the podcast on uh, itunes or their podcast app or whatever because every little helps it helps us to build a lot of momentum as well um we do get a number of media requests as well and if you would like to maybe go on to say talk sport or love sport which is a a, a london-based station which is going national then uh, and if you want to represent the podcast and chat to a number of ex-footballers it's usually for sort of three four minutes talking all things afcb then um I'd be more than welcome um, to uh, hook you up. So when I can't do it or Jeff can't, you know, maybe you can. Uh, So if you'd like to get involved in that regard, then I would really appreciate your help. But um, yeah, sponsorship is also going to be something that we're going to be looking at ASAP. And uh, who knows, maybe we can get something happening soon. With regards to the question for do you remember earlier we were looking for the aggregate scoreline between AFC Bournemouth and Chelsea since being in the Premier League and there is a scoreline and it's closer than you might think. It's 13-10 to Chelsea. This doesn't include our numerous League Cup matches against them but in the Premier League at least since we've been in there it's 13 10 to Chelsea maybe we can even that up on Saturday with a 3-0 win and repeat our heroics there in recent times who knows fingers crossed hope you have a good week and thank you very much for listening this far this has been Back of the Net the AFC Bournemouth podcast
1: Cherry's back four now reads Francis, MEPHAM, Simpson, Rico. Long ball over the top immediately, and a chance for OXLAY Chamberlain, who has immediately put Liverpool in front. Well, talk about kicking a team while they're down. The Cherries trying to reorganise. Liverpool just booted a long ball over the top, and OXLAY Chamberlain stole in for his first goal of the season. And it just goes from bad to worse. Bournemouth nil, Liverpool one. <laughs>